0: Welcome to Cash Considerations, the Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here with Jason Pat. and We have a special guest, too, from Bleacher Report, one of my favorite NBA draft analysts out there. John Wasserman. John, what's going on?
1: I'm doing well, my friends. Thanks for bringing me on.
0: So the draft is just a few days away at this point. The Bulls sitting there with the seventh pick. There's been plenty of speculation about what the Bulls could do with that selection. John has been following these players in this draft. For well over a year, I thought we'd run through some of the names that he has on top of his new big board he released today on Thursday at Bleacher Report. Uh, the first name I want to throw at you, John, is number nine overall on your list. I wrote about him in a feature today for SB Nation. It's Kobe White. Kobe White, a 6'5", uh, playmaking guard, point guard uh can kind of a combo guard as well uh out of North Carolina very very good score great catch and shoot guy how do you think Kobe White John would fit the Bulls and what do you think of him as a prospect in general
1: I mean on paper he makes total sense right he he gives you some some outside shooting uh like you said he could play on and off the ball uh, which I think is important if you got Zach Levine in the backcourt um, he's one of the best pick and roll passers in the country. I mean, I think that's a, an encouraging sign regarding his evolution is now, uh, he's, he's probably, you put him in the game. He, you want him to have the ball. He's got to be your point guard, your lead guard, your lead initiator, whatever word you want to use. Um, how, how do I love him? Um, I, I think he's a, a fine pick, uh, at number seven. I'm sure they're going to, um, give him real consideration there, uh, relative to other number sevens in the past, you know, I don't I don't see like a superstar point guard, but I don't see any superstars really left on the board uh, where Chicago is going to pick. And so um, I think he's in the mix for best player available. Sure. And and certainly a a good fit there uh, with Chicago needing an upgraded point guard.
0: Comparing and contrasting him with John Morant, who's going to go number two overall in this draft to the Grizzlies. I was thinking about this earlier today, so I'll pick your brain on it. If we're talking about Morant shooting versus Kobe White's passing, which do you think has more upside? Because to me, White obviously so refined already as a scorer and as a shooter. He was great off the catch in college. I think he has a lot of upside in his pull-up shooting ability. It seems where White has the most room to grow is as a passer. So if you want to sort of compare that to Morant's pull-up shooting ability, his you know NBA three-point range in general, which of those traits between the two guys do you think uh, has more room to grow? Because when I go through the mental gymnastics of this, I think that Kobe White comes out looking a little more appealing with that seventh
1: pick. Yeah, well, when you put it that way, <laughs> um, I definitely think White is further along as a passer than Morant is as a pull-up shooter. Morant's definitely going to have to make some some adjustments and, and clearly improve because he's got some some uh, some issues with that pull-up game, doesn't get great separation, uh, doesn't elevate high off the ground. Um, he's really good in other, in other areas. I mean, I think he's one of the better passers I've evaluated uh, in recent memory, and, and I think worse comes to worse. I mean, he's he's going to be an eight-assist guy, I, I think, no-brainer. Um, and and Kobe, yeah, Kobe, uh, he's got some room to grow as a decision-maker, um, but he's, he's pretty good in those pick-and-roll situations. He can make good reads. He can make all the passes he needs to. Um, sometimes, you know, just in terms of his floor game and and a little too much dribbling, uh, a little too much, um, holding of the ball. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when you, when you put them up next to each other, I mean, they both have improvements to make. Morant probably has, uh, more he has to work on in terms of getting that pull-up game right.
0: Do you think a backcourt with Kobe White and Zach Levine could be tenable defensively? (laughs) Or do you think that, uh, you know, that would really mostly be a one-way backcourt?
1: Um, I mean, it's probably not going to be the strength of the Bulls, their defensive backcourt. Um, You know, how many times do you get a a point guard who's a difference maker on defense? I think as long as the point guard is just average or he's just as long as he's not a liability, it's okay. And I think White, um, some of his defensive problems. Yeah, he had some. I think some of them were overblown. He had some good some good games defensively as well. I don't think he's a complete lost cause on defense. And when he's locked in, you know, he could stick with guys and. And, uh, and make reads. I don't think he was so terrible defensively as some of the media made him out to be, but uh, yeah, at the end of the day, it's no matter what the Bulls do, they're probably not going to have a strong defensive backcourt.
0: I want to move to your next prospect. Who's number seven overall on your big board. That would be the Bulls pick. Uh, I'm scared of this one. It's Cam Reddish. <laughs> I had him actually as the number one overall prospect in my June Draft like the day after the draft. I always do the the next draft. Big boy. I had him number one. I saw him as a high school player. I was really impressed with him on the EYBL. Was impressed with him on the USA Basketball mini camp circuit. My problem with him is that Cam Reddish has always been a better player on paper than he has been tangibly. I think that he had numerous issues this year at Duke. Was one of the least efficient players projected to go in the first round this year I believe he has the lowest effective field goal percentage of any projected first rounder so John I'll let you make the case for why Cam Reddish is the number seven overall guy on your draft board and if you think he would be a good pick for the Bulls <laughs> at that spot
1: I mean I, I hesitate every time I have to, to rank him it's um, <laughs> looking at his numbers he's going to have the worst stats of any lottery pick since I've been doing this um, but I, I, I do place some blame on the fit I know it's kind of an excuse and did a lot more standing around than he's used to. I mean, that's, he was a point wing in high school. And then all of a sudden he's a guy who's just kind of standing around behind Zion, RJ and Trey Jones, who was also the point guard. So uh, he, he never got in any rhythm there. And, and so I, I'm just, you kind of hope that after a couple of years in the NBA um, and he starts to get more touches, more involved, that his confidence will go up. He'll start to figure things out. Cause like you said, you know, number coming in, there were guys, you weren't alone who had him as the number one overall prospect uh, he was in that mix for me as well, and, and the guys who cover high school and recruiting—they used to tell me all the time that Reddish is the guy with the most upside of any of these guys, including RJ and Zion. That's obviously not the case now, but uh, I know he's got some bustability because we just see how how many games he could be ineffective. Uh, at the same time, I kind of feel safe about his shooting and his defense. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how, what his roles. I think team role is going to play a big big uh, role in his. Development. I'm still not even sure if I think he should go to a team where he doesn't get many touches and and he gets to start slow or if he should go to a team um, where they give him the ball right away because we just saw he struggled kind of in that off ball role standing around. Maybe he needs the touches to to get going and and take more shots and be more aggressive. So he's really the the hit or miss guy in, in the top 10 for me. Um and I really have no confidence level <laughs> as, a, as being, you know, from a scouting perspective in terms of saying he's going to be great. He's going to be average. He's going to suck. I really don't know what's going to happen with him. I just think that once you're in that seven to 10 range, you know, that's where you could really, that's where it's, where the potential reward is worth the risk.
2: Ricky, I, I was going to bring up Reddish. Didn't you write about him basically instead of like the ceiling that maybe it was the floor of his might actually better. I know you wrote about Reddish recently. What did you say about him? again? I feel like I can't remember exactly what you said. It was like that instead of looking at his ceiling, it's mo- mo- it should be the floor of him should actually be a bit higher because as John mentioned, the three-point shooting and the defense should actually be decent because his three-pointer, his three-point shot looks pretty good and he projects as a good defender at least. So like maybe he's not quite total bust out because he at least has those skills.
0: Sure, so... I mean, when Reddish was in high school, he was getting comparisons to Tracy McGrady and Paul George, this big, long athletic score with shooting touch. Uh, My thing is, looking at his college numbers, it's just really hard for me to think that a player who was objectively trash in college somehow (laughs) has the upside to be a great player as he continues in the NBA. I will say one thing in Cam Reddish's favor, though, John and I have both been covering the draft. Lucky enough to cover the draft for a few years now. Uh, his true shooting percentage reminds me a little bit of Jalen Brown's. Jalen Brown also had one of the lower true shooting percentages in that draft. Ended up being a pretty good player for Boston, so that's maybe something to factor in with Reddish, but kind of my overall takeaway on him is I think that he'll have a long career in the league. Uh, Rodney Hood is a name that keeps popping up in my mind as like a tall wing with shooting ability, some ball handling. The thing I question about Cam Reddish and you know you don't feel good saying it but I just don't really know if he has like the feel for the game and the basketball IQ to be a great player but I do think his physical talent will keep him in the league as part of a rotation for a long time
1: yeah th- that feel for the game is I mean when you watch him drive into the lane I mean sometimes it's like he's got no plan uh, he just doesn't have a great uh, feel for for you know what step to take what angle to to attempt a shot at and for a role player that's uh, somewhat worrisome you want your role players to be high IQ guys and so uh yeah but on, on, on the other hand I'm, I'm buying into the shot making and I'm buying into the defense somebody w- once got compared him to um Batum I kind of like that I thought that was okay uh, maybe obviously some differences here and there but that type of role player I mean that could be like his ceiling uh, like a, a really good role player like that
0: uh, the next name I'm going to throw at you is a dude who Casey Johnson, a Bulls beat writer for the Chicago Tribune, mentioned today as someone who could possibly be on the Bulls' radar, which would surprise me. You have him as your number five overall player, which also surprised me. That's Jackson Hayes, a freshman center from Texas. The Bulls have taken traditional, you know, traditionally-sized big men in the last two years with Lowry Markinen with Wendell Carter Jr., uh, do you what? What do you make of Jackson Hayes in general? Why is he your number five overall prospect? And after that, we'll we'll talk about the potential.
1: Well, he's day. number five for me because I just don't love anybody else. <laughs> I mean, uh, I just I, I mean, <laughs> I just see a safe pick, right? I see a guy, and really, the difference between number five and number ten in this draft is minimal. Really, uh, team fit would probably be a tiebreaker when making those picks. But Jackson Hayes, I mean, I just feel, you know, I have a high confidence level that Hayes is going to be a guy who sticks for fifteen years just by running, jumping, reacting, switching defensively. Uh, I mean, it kind of reminds me of Mitchell Robinson. And, you know, we say that guys like that, uh, you know, there's no upside anymore uh, because they're not big guys who stretch the floor or they they don't put it down on the floor and and, uh, use dribbles. Uh, But I I don't think that matters. If you're really good at at this one thing, which is this one thing is, you know, finishing, rim running, uh, just using his physical gifts to to make efficient plays around the basket – I think he can carve out a long career as a, as a quality starting defensive minded center. And so, yeah, maybe he's not the sexiest guy out there, but he just turned 19 years old. Um, he's uh, I, I mean, he's, he just moves so fluidly. There's something about his movement that just pops to me that I think he's going to be a guy who can like Mitchell Robinson uh, c- can, you know, block three pointers and, and beat everyone down the floor and, and just consistently give you those easy baskets.
0: Sure. So my take on this Uh, is that while Robinson is an incredibly powerful vertical athlete, I've never seen a seven-footer run the court like Jackson Hayes. I actually think that you could put him in a category with, like, Anthony Davis in terms of being able to get up and down the floor. He really does move like a wing to me. Watching more tape on him, I have not been super high on him because I don't think he's very skilled in terms of uh, his jump shot. I know he shot free throws well this year, but he's so long and big and can just run the floor like a damn gazelle uh i actually think that he has some sneaky high upside in this draft after further evaluation now i don't really see him as a fit for the bulls do you already having carter in place already having marketing in place uh that that wouldn't make a ton of sense to me what's your armchair analysis of that real quick yeah i mean
1: obviously it doesn't make sense because he would be using the number seven pick to draft a backup and so um he probably wouldn't be on my radar if i was Chicago. Uh, but at the same time, you know, best player available and, and, you know, depending on what they think of the guys who are going to fit better, like white and, you know, if Jared Culver slipped to them, I I think he'd be an obvious choice for Chicago, but, uh, you know, Orlando last year took Bamba and they already had a bunch of big guys. They obviously thought he was the best player available and and that didn't work out. So, um, or I don't think it's going to work out. Let's put it that way. But yeah, I mean, uh, he doesn't fit, but at the same, you know, I don't know. It, 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 he doesn't fit the starting. He doesn't fit the starting lineup. Um, he wouldn't be my choice for them. But at the same time, you know, like I said, he's my fifth best prospect. He comes off the bench and plays like a defensive energizer role.
2: I honestly thought, like, the first thing I thought of was just maybe like smokescreen to for a trade back, possibly. It was like, I mean, we we have like not talked about him at all on this podcast. And like you guys mentioned, like the fit just doesn't seem. Like, to make much sense at number seven, literally, I thought maybe like they're getting it out there that I, mean, I don't know, like. Would the Hawks be interested in him? Like, because I know the Hawks have been. There's been a lot of rumors about them possibly moving, whether it's up or just trading in general. Like, would they possibly be p- throwing that information out there t- to look for a trade back? Because I know the Bulls have also been rumored looking to make a move. I know Casey uh, was on a podcast recently said he really thinks the Bulls are trying to make a trade with this pick because just this draft, just at number seven, just it's kind of a kind of kind of a crapshoot. Do you guys think? possibly that kind of, throwing this out there would be maybe trade bait. I
1: don't know. I, <laughs> I, really, I, I mean, he makes sense for Atlanta, honestly. Um, yeah, Um uh, They could use a defensive mind center next to Collins and um you know, Hayes is the best one in this draft. So he certainly makes sense. It's also possible Hayes is there at number eight for Atlanta and they don't have yeah. to move anywhere. So, you know, I, I don't know. Tough to say what, what's really going on um, in Atlanta's head and whether they're looking to, Package both picks to, to move up. Whether they just want to get one, whether they like Hayes, whether they think they can get him at eight. There's just so many variables and and uh, and options there.
0: All right, let's move on to my favorite potential player for the Bulls to draft. It's Jarek Culver. I've been singing his praises all season. I interviewed his high school coach earlier today. I'm gonna to write a profile on him uh, for next week. Going through the tape of Jarek Culver, I just like him more and more. And the thing that sticks out to me about Culver. John is that he always has a counter. Now, when you watch RJ Barrett play, it looks like he predetermines his moves. When he gets in a one-on-one situation, he doesn't really have any shiftiness with the ball. He just kind of tries to overpower you, tries to run you over. He is very naturally strong. And I think that, you know, that's the reason uh, that he has been such a highly touted prospect throughout, you know, his, his career as a teenager Culver to me just has he lacks you know that raw power and he lacks that first step explosiveness, but he always has a counter uh, to everything you do. If you try to cut him off, he'll hit you with the spin move, he can hit you with the hesitation dribble. He's got a little bit of a pull up. Uh, I actually think Jared Culver to me is the second best prospect in this draft. You have him number four. Uh, What's your overall take on Culver? Do you think that some nerds like me are getting too high on him? Do you see? you know, perhaps someone who's being set up to disappoint? Because let's be honest, not a reliable jump shooter. uh, As a ball handler, it's like you're probably not going to play him on the ball. You'll likely play him off the ball. It's like what, what, sort of what do you make of everything going into the Jarrett Culver hype?
1: Yeah, I mean, Culver, at one point I had Culver ahead of Barrett, too. I've gone back and forth between the two of them. Um, I don't think he helped himself that last game against DeAndre Hunter. Hunter really made it tough for Culver to create any separation. Uh, but he's so well-rounded, right? I mean, there's nothing he's really bad at. He, he really improved his, sh- his shot making ability. He, he really changed so much from last year when he was just a spot up guy. This year, he is a a one-on-one uh, pick and roll ball handler. Like you said, he's got counters. He's got go-to moves. He can score from the post. Uh, You know, he's got step backs and fallaways. He's a pretty well-rounded, complete player. I, just a guy I feel pretty confident is going to, going to be able to be a starting two guard in this league. And um Pretty good defender. Uh, there's just nothing to to hate. I, I do question the jump shot a little bit. It's got that little hitch at the top, and some of them, some of his misses are are way off. And so I don't know what's going on with the jump shot. And he didn't shoot free throws at a great rate uh, as a second year player either. So that would be my only concern in terms of how high his ceiling goes. Because obviously, as a two guard, you're going to need that jump shot uh, if you want to reach star potential. But He's one of those high floor guys for me where uh, you can plug him anywhere. And I think eventually by you know year number two, he'll be a starting NBA two guard.
0: Exactly how good do you think his defense is? To me, he could be wonderful defensively. I think he has a clear defensive edge over the rest of the wings in this class outside of however you want to classify Zion. Uh, I kind of see him as someone who could guard one through four because I think he's got sort of the quickness to defend point guards. If he bulks up, which I think he's going to, uh, you know, the modern NBA four is not someone who's going to be too big for Jared Culver to handle. I don't think I really like his defensive upside, especially his versatility and his ability to make plays off the ball, sort of roaming around in a help and recover scheme the way so many NBA defenses are set up nowadays.
1: Yeah, no, I feel pretty good about his defense. Um, like you say, he's got to bulk up, but sometimes those, those stronger wings will, will play through him and just, uh, just watching him against hunter hunter just looked you know f- f- just out physical out muscled him a little bit um but yeah he's he's got the quickness to to guard both guard spots and he's pretty smart i mean uh, you know in terms of making reads i, I think he's he's going to be a plus defender and and we'll see how many positions he can defend based on how his body changes over the next couple of years
0: okay you have deandre hunter as your number 12 player in this draft i have him around the same uh range but i'll just ask you you know we were just talking about how culver won the individual how hunter won the individual matchup against culver on the biggest stage in college basketball so what are your reservations with deandre hunter and do you still think he would be a good choice for the bulls if he were available at number seven
1: yeah i mean if they took him at number seven i mean he he wouldn't be my first choice certainly um so I, i wouldn't give them you know a great grade uh i have him at number 12 because I just don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know what's his bankable offensive skill. First off, he's, I don't, I don't buy the shot creation, you know, um, off the dribble. I'm not really sure what he's going to do. Uh, he's probably going to be mostly a spot up guy, and and he didn't even shoot threes, you know. A, a, I know he may, shot him well, but he didn't make many, didn't take many. At Virginia, kind of a line drive to his shot. Uh, didn't shoot pull ups at, at a high clip, and so I'm just not really sure you know, how high his offensive ceiling is. He's a little bit old for his class. I do like him defensively. Um, You know, I think he's got got the chance, obviously, to guard multiple positions, but I think he's going to be able to guard uh, wings at at a really high level. He's got really strong arms, um, good quickness, mixed reads. Uh, He didn't have any playmaking stats defensively in Virginia, which is kind of confusing. You'd think a guy like that would pick up some steals and blocks, regardless of what scheme he's playing in. Uh, he's just one of those safe guys. Uh, another guy with you know probably a high floor or low ceiling. Um, again, the bulls at number seven he's he's coming off the bench, you know, if, if you take him for the bulls. and again, there's just not enough offensive upside there for me, but um yeah, he's just such a safe player in a draft where you know, there's just not many guys you can identify as, as obvious NBA standouts.
0: To me, his slow release is a major issue with his projection. In his shooting ability, one of Zion's best highlights of the year came because DeAndre Hunter was taking forever and a day to load up on a corner three. I'm sure everyone yep. remembers that block Zion had uh, against Virginia with LeBron sitting there courtside. So I'll throw the same thing at you that I asked you about Morant and Kobe White. You know, I think Culver's dribble creation is the edge. Hunter's shooting is the edge. So let's flip it. Uh, what do you think has more upside, DeAndre Hunter's dribble creation or Culver's
1: shooting? Culver's shooting. I, I think. Agree. Culver, I think Culver can eventually be. I mean, his his make his made shots look good. Um, uh, he's got to just smooth out the shot a little bit. I, I, I think eventually that it'll happen. Um, Culver. I just don't. He plays a little. I mean, Hunter plays a little bit hunched over. He's not very explosive. I just don't see him blowing by guys. You know, no matter how much he improves his ball handling, and so yeah, I definitely think Culver's shooting has has more upside than Hunter's shot creation.
0: And what was pretty remarkable about uh, that in general, I think, is uh, Jarek Culver three point attempts per game was four point two this year. DeAndre Hunter's was like under three. The pages loading slow for me. It was two point eight. So <laughs> Culver was actually taking more attempts, which I think that three point volume. Uh, is a pretty meaningful indicator in and of itself, just because of you know how valuable the three-point shot is in today's game. Just getting it off is its own skill.
1: Yeah, there are guys who who don't even look at how many what your shooting percentage is. They look at how many you take. And uh, he, I mean, he looks confident uh, uh, when Culver shoots. And again, the, the made shots are pretty convincing. Uh, gets good arc on it, and um, I, you know it's a jump shot. I'd be willing to bet on though. It, that will require.
0: Uh, so I guess we'll let you go with this, John. Who's your pick for the Bulls at number seven? Uh, you know, assuming all the reasonable guys are potentially available, who who would you like to see the Bulls draft at seven?
1: Wow, um, I'm still I'm sticking with Kobe White. I think that I, I, I like I said I, I put him in the best player available mix right there, and uh, I, and he fills that that need. I think eventually he's going to be a better player than Chris Dunn, and uh, you know it gives you that night nice, gives you some pace. He'll give you some shot-making. He'll give you some playmaking. I don't think his defense is as bad as advertised. So um, assuming Darius Garland goes top six, which is just what everyone seems to be thinking, um, I think that Kobe White is going to be the option at number seven, and honestly, I, I wouldn't argue against it. So who's going number four
0: in that scenario if Garland's going six?
1: I think Culver's going top five, right? If, if Garland, I mean, if Garland goes – I don't know who's even going to be picking at number four anymore. No. But um, – Let's say Garland goes four. I, I would imagine that, that Culver is going five to Cleveland. That just it makes too much sense to me. And then at six, um, Reddish would be my pick, honestly. I, I think somebody's going to fall for him. I, Interesting. I, you know, when you see, he's one of those workout guys who just, um, you kind of forget everything you saw during the regular season. And then all of a sudden he works out and you see a six, eight guy shooting from 30 feet away and hitting fallaways and always looks more explosive when there's nobody protecting the rim <laughs> and then all of a sudden you put him on, you know, put him up against a shot blocker and he, he can't play above him. But I think he's going to, he's going to change some minds or, or ease some concerns during workouts and, and reddish would be my pick right now to go top six, but a lot can change over the next week.
0: John, we know you're really busy covering the draft, so thank you for joining us for a few minutes here, and uh, good luck watching 15 years of R.J. Barrett hero ball, because we know you're in <laughs> New like, uh, York. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. I am Really looking forward to that. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, guys. Let's read some ads, Jason. Let's do it. All right. The first one comes from our sponsor at ShipStation. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation Brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get your orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. Right now, cash considerations and Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use the promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk, and you can start your free trial without even entering your credit card information. ShipStation works with all major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in blue. That is shipstation.com promo code blue shipstation.com make ship happen.
2: And we got another announcement to make blue wires teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harry's.com slash blue wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. So they bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. So join the 10 million who have tried Harry's and claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash all of Harry's blades come with a hundred percent quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know, and they'll give you a full refund. So again, make sure you go to Harry's slash Blue Wire to redeem your razor for just three dollars. All right, so uh, Ricky, I, I guess there have been kind of some Bulls rumors over this these last couple of days of the draft as the draft approaches. Uh, I know Darnell Mayberry came out. Uh, in a column talking about, um, talking about, he was like cautioning against making a trade on draft night. He was using like Sebastian Telfair as a, as an example. And in it, there was a little nugget talking about how people around the league believe that the Bulls are basically open to trading any anybody or anything not named Larry Markinen uh, or Wendell, Car- Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, I see Zach Levine not mentioned in the in part part of that report and then today uh we heard zach Lowe on his podcast with some speculation this is now reporting he wanted to make make this clear on twitter speculation that as with these anthony davis trade negotiations going on that uh zach levine might be a guy the pelicans would want to get because the pelicans want to get an all-star caliber player uh, as part of this anthony davis trade back that exactly might be the type of guy uh that the Pelicans would want and the bulls would wind up with the number four pick in that scenario. What do you make of, I guess that possibly trading Zach Levine and getting number four back and just in general that the Darnell report in general, them looking to make moves. I mentioned Casey had also said that it looks like the bulls are really trying to make a trade. What do you make of all of this?
0: So, you know, there's a lot of different ways this potential trade could shake out. I think if the bulls are trading seven in Zach Levine for four and Lonzo ball, uh, you know, first of all, is that a realistic scenario? I'm not so yes, sure. Exactly. I, would, <laughs> yeah. I would do that if I were the Bulls in a heartbeat. Uh, I think Lonzo Ball would be a great point guard to match with this young core because he's so good defensively. I think that he would really bring out the best in Wendell Carter Jr. and Lowry Mark. And let's be honest, the Bulls need to focus on developing those two players above anything else. Uh, Lonzo, to me, would be another foundational piece for the rebuild. If it cost you Levine in the seventh pick, you get up to four in Lonzo. Uh, I don't know how realistic that is, but, man, I would love that. That would be like my dream team. If you could go with Lonzo, uh, get Culver at four, go Otto, Lowry, and Wendell as your starting five, holy moly, dude. Bulls would be back. My <laughs> player shtick would have to, you know, take a hit.
2: Yeah, like when I first saw the thing about, like, whatever, Levine for four, there would obviously be more moving parts. I know I saw some other stuff about there, about, like, they'd be getting Solomon Hill back. uh, I, Whatever, that doesn't even really matter. I, I, I was skeptical when I just saw, basically, Levine and four. I don't know. That's I, – I feel like Levine had a really nice season. I, I feel like he, I, I've warmed up to him. Like, I was not a big fan. I was c- Coming off the ACL last season, he was – awful and that was to be expected i thought he had a really nice season we've talked about it in the pot i thought he's he's been solid i don't think his contract's that bad anymore at 19 million a year for three more years whatever whatever that is so like i was really kind of skeptical about that just like the idea of basically levine for four he's like I, don't know, I still think he's got more, even more upside. I know the defense is a problem, and we talk about two-way players and how you really need to have two-way players if you're going to win a championship. And, I don't know if Levine's ever going to be a two-way player. And if you're super high on Jared Culver, I mean, maybe that is a deal you make. And if you think maybe you can – if you get some extra cap space out of it, maybe you use extra cap space from getting rid of Levine and going to sign somebody else. I know I had a couple of people in my mentions saying that, oh, maybe then you can go get – D'Angelo Russell in free agency. If, if if the Nets if the Nets are going to let him go, uh, I don't know. I feel like that's tough. Like I said, I've I've I don't want to say I'm attached to Levine at this point, and I don't want to over overvalue him. He's never been a winning player. I don't know if he's ever going to be a winning player. And I kind of mentioned this on Twitter. Like I don't know what Zach Levine's place on like a winning bowl st- team is, but. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I do see, I guess I do see the appeal if you, if that scenario plays out and it's like you mentioned Lonzo and Culver, and if you maybe get some extra cap space out of it and you're able to get, I don't know, a few other good players, or if you're able to, I don't really don't think they're really in play for anybody like that good. Like I said, I mentioned Russell, maybe like, I don't know. I, I feel like that's tough. Like would, I don't think that'd be a very bullsy move to do that because I feel like What do you think the Bulls think of actually think Levine? Like he did just have a career year coming off the ACL. He's a guy's a really hard worker. Like, do you think they actually really like him?
0: I think they like him, but would probably be willing to move him. I think that the way he sort of clashed with Boylan, uh, Boylan at the beginning, or you know, the beginning of Boylan's tenure, kind of goes against the Bulls' whole mo, which is like organizations win championships. It's either you know the front office's way or the highway that's sort of been how they've approached everything uh, you know over the last 10 or 15 years to me you definitely trade Zach Levine if you want to like I don't think he's untouchable by right reason. yeah I agree. I do think he's a good player. I do think the Bulls should absolutely shop him, especially coming off a career year where he showed he could be healthy, showed his shooting. I mean, we have to realize is shooting guard might be the weakest position throughout the NBA. So to have a guy who has that type of deep range and create a bit off the dribble, he's a bad shot maker. Uh, he has a lot going for him, honestly. And I think that while his contract is a little bit hefty, he's making way less than Devin Booker and guys with that skill set. Uh, Just tend to get paid. He's making way less than CJ McCollum. So uh, Levine, I think, is a good player. So now let's sort of put it this way. You know, would you rather have Levine or Kobe White? I'm taking Levine. Would you rather have Levine or Culver, Levine or Lonzo? I think that that's where it gets interesting. Like, I've always been really high on Lonzo. The durability scares me. The fact that he can't even make 50% of his free throws terrifies <laughs> me. So I don't know. Like I, I would make a move if the Bulls could potentially acquire Culver and Lonzo in one trade. I've always been very high on Lonzo. And I think he does have a bright NBA future ahead of him if he can just stay healthy, if he can somehow improve on his free throws. But uh, it's it's pretty interesting. Sort of what do you make of Lonzo as a player, Jason? Would you trade Levine for Lonzo? straight up how do you factor in the picks to this it's all pretty interesting
2: would I trade Levine Falonzo straight up absolutely not like I I I I definitely don't I definitely am not as high on him as you are like number number two pick brilliant player at UCLA just the smarts the potential the two-way players there his shooting did get better this year like marginally better up to 33% from three on about five attempts per game. John mentioned earlier about three-point shooting and how it's even sometimes the volume is even more important. That's one of the big problems with Chris Dunn is not even the volume is there with him. Like, he's, what, like two a game. Lonzo was t- took, like, over five a game his rookie season, and he was at about five a game this season. And he di- was getting better, but you mentioned the free-throw shooting is really tough. The durability, I, I, the, dur- the durability is always just a weird thing. Like, is it just freak stuff? Like, is he actually brittle? Like... That kind of stuff is sometimes hard to judge in young players. So like straight up for just straight up Levine Lonzo? I don't think so. But Levine is Levine does have like a is like an I don't want to say a lead score, but like I mean his he was a really efficient scorer on a team with not that many weapons for for a good portion of the year, putting up a, what 23, 24 game. I know some people might say, oh, that's just looter and right, looter and right. Somebody's got a score, but like it's not like he was inefficient. Like I think his true shooting percentage was like 57 or 58 on really high usage like that's really impressive and this was the year removed from the ACL like he's a, like I feel like Levina would look so much better if the Bulls just actually had a number one player and like it wouldn't even, it wouldn't be a big deal the defense against a little problem so I would say no probably uh for a straight up thing there but it does get more interesting like if you you're really high on Culver and if you're looking at that kind of lineup where if it's Lonzo Culver Otto uh Lowry and Wendell, like that is a pretty intriguing lineup. Like, I guess you obviously Lonzo Silmosa, unproven, uh, Culver, still unproven as much as you like him. And I've you've talked me into him a lot, like you we've talked about, like between him and Hunter. I like Culver. You guys talked about the shot creation. I feel like the jumper can come around with I think he shot it better his freshman year. I believe, I don't know, it is it's really interesting. I, I mean, I like as much as I would not like, I guess, Levine to go for like. I th- it would be at least exciting that the Bulls like made kind of like a ballsy move, even though if I s- possibly saw it as kind of kicking the can down the road and like packs Gar- again, like kicking the can down the road and just like, oh, well, we're going to the rebuild, whatever. We're going to take our time. But e- I guess even taking the time isn't isn't the worst thing you can do in a rebuild where the Bulls are at. They won 22 games last year. So, like, I don't know. I mean, it would at least be interesting. And, like, I guess it would be better if the Bulls are interesting than just straight suck. <laughs>
0: Yeah, my overall take on this is what is the goal for the Correct. Chicago yeah. Bulls? The goal to make the playoffs is the goal to get back to being a 6, 7, or 8 seed. If that's the goal, they're total fucking idiots because they could have just kept Jimmy Butler and been doing that the last few years without suffering through a really long, hard rebuild. The goal should be to be one of the best teams in the conference, to give yourself a chance to make the NBA Finals. If that's the goal— then you should be willing to take a little bit of a step back first to take two steps forward later. So to me, I'm fine trading Levine for an unproven player like Lonzo if you can also still keep your pick Uh, because you could replace Levine with Kobe White. I think they have somewhat similar skill sets, but I also think they would complement each other pretty well. They'd have the chance to at least if Kobe White was the pick and they keep Levine. Uh, To me, Lonzo has a lot of upside. I think he's a brilliant natural creator. I think he will shoot it better than he has shot it at this point in his career. Uh, I would love to add either Culver or White. Those are the top two guys on my Bulls draft board as I laid out last week. So, you know, the idea of adding a really pure point guard, a great passer, and an impact defender like Lonzo Ball while also being able to keep a top seven pick in this draft, that is really intriguing to me. And uh, even though the Bulls probably would be taking a little step back, he'd also be clearing Levine's cap space. Uh, I think that would be a pretty interesting move for the Bulls.
2: Yeah. I just talking about Lonzo in general, I would not be opposed to like trading seven for him. Like, I kind of, it was, I did write about this for Forbes earlier this week. I feel like it was kind of polarizing because I think Lonzo just in general is polarizing because of all the stuff we've talked about the injuries, the jump shot, all that. And like some people responded, well, it's basically like you found like the one guy who like shoots worse than Chris Dunn, blah, 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 and gets injured more. Like, yeah, I get it. But like, I mean, Lonzo is still 21. Chris Dunn is 25 now. Like, I would much rather take the chance on uh, Lonzo than than Chris Dunn. I feel like he'll probably end up being better. I mean, defensively, similar. They're both can be like playmakers, and then just and Lonzo's his passing and his playmaking just light light years ahead, and would probably help you. You mentioned a big thing is always who's going to make Lowry Market and Wendell Carter Jr. better. I feel like Lonzo Ball probably better suited than Chris Dunn by a lot. So, like if 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 we were just even just looking at number seven for for Lonzo, I think I would take that. Uh, I can't. I don't even know if you've mentioned this. Like, if your choice was Lonzo or Kobe White, you're probably taking Lonzo there, correct? Yeah, I think so.
0: They're like opposite players, totally. Like Kobe is like the scorer and the shot maker and the shooter, and Lonzo like is the great defensive player, the brilliant passer. Uh, man, I'm seeing a lot of talk on Twitter that people wouldn't do Levine and seven for Lonzo and four. I would totally do that.
2: Yeah, I'm st- I'm still more skeptical. I wouldn't say no automatically, but I mean, like I said, it's it's at least very interesting, and it'd be a pretty, like I said, it'd be a pretty ballsy move. I can't say I would say yes for sure. Like I said, I, Levine, Levine has grown me a bit, but it would at least be a really interesting move, and it'd be fun to just be part of that blockbuster trade in general because the Bulls like the Bulls are always just never do you just don't get involved with stuff like this, and it's just kind of fun. <laughs> Uh, you got anything else before you? I did. I did mention. I did bring up D'Angelo Russell. I also wrote about this for Forbes this week. If let's say uh, the Bulls still need a point guard, or even if they do, even if they drafted Kobe White or something, they don't they don't make this big move or anything like that. Say the Nets uh, do let go of D'Angelo Russell because if they do, it looks like Kyrie's going there. A lot of the rumors right out there right now is oh, Kyrie and D'Angelo Russell can play together. I mean, they still have Dinwiddie there as well. But I believe if the Nets do want to actually have cap space for Durant as well, which I mean that's the whole situation's thrown off now, but Durant's Achilles injury, probably gonna miss all of next season. But if they still want to pair Durant and Kyrie for the long haul, I believe the Nets would have to renounce D'Angelo Russell, make him an unrestricted free agent because they need like 70 million in cap space. I think the nets have something like 46 million right now. So they could keep they can sign Kyrie and keep Russell. They can't, I believe they cannot sign Kyrie, sign Katie, Katie, and keep Russell. So say D'Angelo Russell is on the market. Would you be interested in the Bulls chasing him? How much money would you be willing to give him? I believe his max is something like $27 million in the first year. Would you be willing to, like the Bulls would have to clear some cap space. Would you be willing to blow all the cap space on D'Angelo Russell if he was available?
0: So in my Kobe White piece that I dropped today at SB Nation, everyone go check that out. Uh, I listed four players who I would compare Kobe White to, and one of them was D'Angelo Russell. Now, I don't know if White is really going to be as good as Russell. Russell, obviously a very flawed player, so maybe my take on this is a little contradictory, but I would stay away from D'Angelo Russell if I was the Bulls because I think he has some pretty big limitations uh, as a facilitator and as someone who could finish inside of the paint. Now, maybe you could say the same things. Kobe White, but uh, at least White is playing on his rookie deal. With Russell, you're sort of locked into this big money one way backcourt of Levine and Russell. So if they're keeping Levine, I wouldn't really like Russell as a play. I know that it would be exciting because you'd have another big time shot creator, but to me, uh, Carter and Markinen should be the two guys they're really building around. I mean, those two guys might as well just turn into glorified rebounders if you got Levine and D'Angelo Russell trucking outside Shocking. all day. So I would pass on D'Angelo Russell. That's just me.
2: I think. I mean, I think that's totally fair. Like, I, the idea of it sounds fun. Like, D'Angelo Russell had h- some huge games this year, hitting big shots, clutch clutch shots, and all that. But you mentioned some of the limitations. Doesn't really get to the free throw line. Very similar to Dunn. I think he only took something like a couple free throws a game, two or three free throws a game. And if you look at his true shooting percentage, like you think, oh, big time scorer D'Angelo Russell. His true shooting percentage was around like fifty three, and that was a career high from this year. That's even despite huge volume on three-point shooting he shot like 36 37 percent on like eight attempts a game which I mean I love that kind of vo- the three-point shooting volume I feel like the Bulls could really use that kind of big time volume I feel like that's what Levine should be doing is taking like eight nine threes a game that's I think what Lowry should be doing obviously if D'Angelo Russell's on the team that would take some shots away but the overall efficiency just isn't quite there so I absolutely understand not wanting to pay 20 whatever 27 million a year, well, that, starting 27 million years, that would go up to probably like 28, 29, 30 million. I, I totally understand that. I think it would be something they should look into if he becomes available. But, I, yeah, was that the Bulls also, they need depth. They need to fill out the roster. So, like, using at this point in time with where they're at as a team, like using all their cap space on just one guy, especially like a, a more of a one-way player with those kind of flaws, even though he does fit the, the timeline of the rebuild pretty well, that would definitely be pretty risky. Yeah, I agree. I'd pass. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, I think that's basically it. I believe there there really have been no other big Bulls rumors besides the fact that it looks like they might be trying to make a trade. And I kind of I hope they do kind of make a trade. Just I don't want uh, safe and boring. Like make some moves. I just want, want to want to see some action. Uh, it's been a pretty bland offseason so far, I guess. For the Bulls, other than like hiring some assistant coaches, so uh, hopefully we get something. The draft is in a week. We are a week away. Officially, a week out. We got. Game six of the NBA Finals tonight, with obviously no KD. They'll be really interesting to see how the Warriors manage that. But besides that, like I said, looking forward to the draft. Hopefully, there's a bunch of rumors coming out this week. Hopefully, the Bulls do something crazy. Uh, thanks again for Jonathan Wasserman for coming on. Uh, he's also he's a new new Blue Wire guy. And shout out to Blue Wire as always. Blue Wire Network. Uh, follow them. Follow us at Blue Wire Pods. We got our Blue Wire Buckets podcast. Uh, after all these finals games, and we'll be continuing that going into the off season with all this fun stuff. We've got Anthony Davis stuff going on as well. Please follow our, we have Pelicans podcast, Lakers podcast. We got warriors for Warriors stuff. So please come check us out. And for cash considerations, as always, please rate and review us. Apple podcasts, Google play, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, all that, all that good stuff. So uh, from Jason and Ricky, and thanks again to John, take it easy guys and happy draft week. We're almost there.